I always believed in investing in myself, in life experiences. My work is all about networking. Yeah. It's about understanding the bigger picture. And I wasn't going to just throw my life at 28 or however old I was yeah. to be like, I'm just going to go on the road and be a rock star yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You need to be a driven person to mm -hmm. also achieve those goals mm -hmm. um, and competitive. I've always been extremely competitive and it can't necessarily be all about money. You know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. You know, do it for the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's about money, yeah, sure. But it's going to reflect in your art. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Financially Incorrect. I am your host, Barak. Remember, this podcast is sponsored by FX Pesa, And we're here to talk about all things money. Um, trying to learn from different um, people's different financial journeys. We just had our event two weeks ago to celebrate the million mark milestone, which is, you know, educating a, a million people on financial literacy. Today I have with me um, Marek. Um, really curious to hear his story, really curious to hear his insight about the music and entertainment industry as a whole. He's done multiple things from management to running his own um, He's on a farm right now that's big with events. They, as, as we're recording this, I believe they're um, organizing the Safari 7s mm. um, tournament, which should be happening this weekend. By the time yeah. this goes out, of course, it'll have gone. <laughs> it'll be done. Maybe we'll hear, we'll hear how that came to be. But yeah, welcome, Mike. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, not, not bad. Yeah. Super happy. It's like two, three days to Safari 7s right now, right? Yeah, two, so yeah, two three days. Yeah. Must be pretty hectic now. No? Yeah, it is hectic. Yeah. <laughs> it's just always hectic. Yeah. But yeah, we're, we're ready. Yeah. It's, uh, pretty excited about it. What are you looking forward to the most? Because it's back on um, Gong Road now. Yeah, the RFUA ground, yeah. uh, which is, you know, that's in many ways the home of rugby, no? In Kenya. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's such a vibey venue, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so yeah, just looking forward to all the, all the teams that started arriving today as well mm -hmm. and slowly arrive over the next few days from mm -hmm. Germany, UK, Japan, etc. So yeah, really excited to looking see to in South yeah. Africa as well. So yeah, excited to see all the action. And before this, you guys had done um, Oktoberfest as well. Yeah, right? this was two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. we still have one. Oh, there's we one still left. Have yeah. one, uh, one festival part of the Oktoberfest East Africa series, mm -hmm. which, is, um, which is in South Sudan, yeah. in Juba. Okay, so you guys, see, I mean, in your company, Ace, um, you seem to have a good handle on, um, or I guess if, if you were to use the corporate terms, the market share of events is a decent size. Yeah, I, I, and we focus on mostly the large-scale events. Mm -hmm. That's really what we always wanted to find our niche in, mm -hmm. um, even though we happily execute smaller events, and I mean mm -hmm. like under a thousand people. Mm -hmm. Um, sure, but generally what we like to focus on, what our forte is in the market, mm -hmm. is, is the kind of 5,000, 10,000 people and above events. Yeah. Yeah. How many of those are there in the, in the market right now? Probably about under 10 or somewhere close mm -hmm. to 10, mm -hmm. you know, especially if they are, you know, if they are commercial, that means you have to pay for the ticket. Yeah. There's a yeah. couple of companies that do free events. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'll get bigger numbers, but yeah. Yeah, in terms of the commercial ones, probably under, the, under 10. Okay, you know, I, I had a line of questioning I had to go into, um, which I've been doing with everyone mm. um, who's been coming on towards the end of the year. But before that, let me ask. So um, majority of big events that are happening then where people are buying tickets would usually be between an audience size of what, 2,000 to... 5,000, yeah. 5,000 yeah. people, yeah. Yeah, somewhere in the range. Why do you think we've not been able to consistently break the barrier over 
10,000, you know, to hit the numbers that, you know, Casper does in SA and mm. things like that. Yeah. See, that example Casper does in SA, yeah. he markets that for six months. Yeah. When is the last time you've ever seen an event over here marketed for more than like three weeks yeah. or like a month or yeah. a month and a half? In order to put those large scale events yeah. in place, uh, you have to market them for a long time. You know, like three to six months is mm -hmm. ideal. And that's how these big events all around the world happen. Mm -hmm. Also, the big events already have uh, uh, historic, you know, historic uh, executions as well. So people know this happens always every July or every September, mm -hmm. etc. And tickets go on sale mm -hmm. pretty much as soon as. 2022 finishes for 2023, for 2024, as soon as 2023 edition mm -hmm. finishes. So mm -hmm. it's just about that. It's about the consistency. And yeah, there's an over, over dependence on sponsors as well in Kenya and generally in East Africa, mm -hmm. which is again linked to the time of promoting the event. Because mm -hmm. if you give people six months, you can collect enough money from ticketing mm -hmm. to actually make it uh, the, the main source of your income for your event. Mm -hmm. As opposed to what most people depend on is sponsorship for their main okay. sponsor. Okay, so um, in your in your perception of the way that you see the business model, do you think then that I mean it ought to be tickets? Then you figure out um, sponsors and people to come on board. Like, do you think people ought to go the journey on their own a little longer? No, they should. Yeah, they should. Yeah, hundred percent. I think you should definitely build your event and your business case around. You're giving an experience to people mm -hmm. and you need to get enough people to pay for the experience that yeah. you're giving them from ticket sales. Yeah. And then have sponsorship, maybe 20, 30, 40% and mm -hmm. cherry on top and kind of a vibe yeah. uh, that way. But yeah, yeah, you should, you should, but we're getting there. There's, yeah. there's a lot of things in there. <laughs> okay. Um, let me now come back um, um, to where I initially wanted to start. Um, although we've <laughs> sort of like downplayed it. <laughs> but um, did you get yourself a Christmas gift or did you receive a Christmas gift last year? Did I? Yeah, I think I, think I did. Yeah. I'm more into experiences Which, than things. Okay. I keep on trying pushing that up on like my peeps. Yeah. You know, like things, things are many, but, uh, you know, experiences, go to the spa, go for a trip, yeah. you know. Something along that size, yeah. Yeah. So what are you looking forward to most um, um, this year Christmas? This year Christmas? I haven't been, I haven't been uh, to Europe during winter for a while. Mm -hmm. mm, I just, my kids are six and four. They just saw snow for the first time. I caught the last snow with them uh, during April, during Easter. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, like a proper white Christmas, mm -hmm. snowy white Christmas kind of a vibe for mm -hmm. the kiddos. Mm -hmm. Either that or just a pina colada at the beach. Mm -hmm. I need a break. <laughs> Those are like two yeah. very different. I'm, 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 I'm good with both. Yeah. Either or. Okay. So <laughs> I guess I guess talking about um, Europe and I guess where you come from. Um, what was, I guess, what kind of setting did you grow up in um, in terms of um, money and understanding money and the use of money? What was that like for you in terms of for your background? Hmm. It's probably a little bit different because uh, I was born in 84. Uh, that was still Czechoslovakia under invasion by the Russians. Mm -hmm. History seems to repeat itself quite yeah. a lot, these yeah. Russians. <laughs> um, so, uh, and my parents did not join the party. They were fighting okay. uh, in the resistance, uh, not not uh, physical fighting, right, but right, right, right. Um, in the resistance and all that kind of stuff. So 
I don't know. They were. They, they, it was a very different time, right? In mm-hmm. the communist countries, money is uh, is a very different thing, mm-hmm. uh, from mm-hmm. what, what I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, how you hustle and make things work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the government controlling cash flow and controlling who makes what and how people make money and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think uh, you know my dad was more on the. You know, he was a professional sportsman. Mm-hmm. He was more on the, I would say, on the reckless side of life in terms okay. of not reckless, but like, you know, just like a good times. Right. You know, like right. we make right. money, we go and spend it, dude. Yeah. Let's go, dude. Right. You know, I'll take you out for good dinners, you right. know, I'll buy you cool things. Right. And at that point, I was looking at my mom, who was the opposite, who we thought was like, ah, oh, mom, why are you being so stingy? But, you know, mom did really, in, in, in the, now you can see it, mm-hmm. you know. She really saved up and invested quite a lot mm-hmm. over a lifetime. Mm-hmm. So that's why I grew up between these two kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, between these two personalities, these, yeah. these views of how to deal with money in terms of saving small money or making big money and just kind of having fun yeah. with it. I wouldn't say completely blowing it, but yeah. 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 Um, and then after the revolution... Um, Things changed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We moved around quite a bit. Lived in South Africa for many years. Um, Los Angeles for many years as well. South Africa for eight years. LA for seven years. And moved here 15 years ago. Um, yeah, growing up with these two examples, mm-hmm. I think I landed more... Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find a middle ground yeah. from that perspective. Right. So... Um, yeah, I think it's 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 more of a. I understand the necessity mm-hmm. to save, invest, mm-hmm. diversify your portfolio. Right. Uh, but I'm also very much aligned to, you know, what? <laughs> let's have a good time. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Did money or the pursuit of money ever influence your career choice or what you wanted to pursue? No, no, because I think I I, I could have done probably a lot better. Um, if I used my By a lot better, you mean fina- like literally financially a lot, made uh, more money. I mean, maybe I would have gone, to answer your question, maybe I would have gone more in the direction of, you know what, I'm really good at maths. Okay. Um, you know, I like numbers. I remember figures. Um, I like statistics. Mm-hmm. I could have gone into investment banking. Mm-hmm. I could have gone into, um, you know, financial services probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Um, um, every 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 career has a plus and a minus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But personally, for me, I I felt like I'm better dealing. Or I like dealing more with people rather than numbers, mm-hmm. right? I, even though I'm, I'm 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 I can say I'm fairly good with numbers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was just about trying to find a middle ground where you know I I uh, um, I actually end up doing, and what I ended up doing is you know. I would say maybe here in Kenya, it's probably one of the, or in East Africa, or Kenya specifically, because mm-hmm. it seems like in TZ and elsewhere, it's it's a little bit more of a developed industry. But this is still a very much a developing industry, the entertainment industry. Yeah. yeah. And there's still a lot of gaps, um, which are traditionally not there in the West, in the US, and where the entertainment industry is flourishing and is a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. Um, there's still a lot of gaps over here that don't allow the creatives and entertainers to really maximize their income potential. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. 
Um, when you're making the decision to, 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 to move to Kenya and come and you know, mm. I guess, pursue the entertainment industry, what are the things that are going through your mind? What are the things that you're I didn't come to Kenya to pursue about? the entertainment industry. Yeah. I, I never did entertainment until then, even though I lived in Los Angeles, the home of entertainment, truly, mm -hmm. and I look at it still to this day and every mm -hmm. time I go. Right. Um, I didn't come here to, to do entertainment. I, I, I came here with a, a mobile, uh, a mobile um, tech company. Yeah. Um, did that for several years all around Africa. Then got into an, uh, a CSR, but CSV, creating share value, which is a more sustainable model of CSR. Mm -hmm. um, kind of a business, uh, did that for many years. Clients like Nestle and stuff like that that I worked for. And that's kind of, again, the type of business or the type, I knew I always wanted to be self-employed. I always knew I wanted to grow my own business. I always knew I wanted to forge my own path. Mm -hmm. um, I like the freedom of that. Mm -hmm. um, even though sometimes, you know, when people say that you also have to be careful because some people might look at it and be like, oh, freedom, that is like, it, that also has its handcuffs that it puts right. on you because you right. don't have a nine to five clear cut of when you're working for somebody and then your mind is pretty clear. Right. You always seem to be working. But I like that freedom of, 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 of being able to formulate that for myself and uh, so that's why I did CSV, which is again, like it's a kind of community model based business where both mm -hmm. the business and the community that, mm -hmm. um, that is the beneficiary of that corporate social responsibility mm -hmm. is you create shared value between the both, therefore mm -hmm. it's more sustainable. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that for several years and then I ran into Saudi Soul just at a night out mm -hmm. and um, somehow we ended up working together from there but that was my yeah. first entertainment job mm -hmm. okay and throughout this point i mean up until before you you know meet with saudi soul at a night out um um what's your i guess the question is what's your what's your life like at that point mm. in time i mean um you're meeting bills are you comfortable you're happy you're able to put a way money aside and investing in things like that or have you gone through some sort of difficulty to try and make your way to even these three different jobs that you're working mm. yeah yeah um this is where i'm trying to find that middle yeah. ground because um i always believed in investing in myself in life experiences my work is all about networking. Okay. It's about understanding the bigger picture, uh, being in entertainment. Uh, you know, you need the exposure to see what is happening, what's hot, what's not out there. Mm -hmm. So I definitely always, and this is still prior to entertainment, even in, in business, I, you know, I was doing a lot of traveling. Mm -hmm. That's really where I spend most of my money. And I saw that kind of in that or my early 20s as a, as a worthy investment. Mm -hmm. I didn't think in my 20s, my focus wasn't on saving um, uh, money so much, which mm -hmm. looking backwards now, yeah, I could have found 10, 20%. Mm -hmm. But also what my mind struggles with is, you know, this 10, 5, 10, 15% percentiles, even in my personal life, even in my business life, I've never truly appreciated those small numbers. Mm -hmm. I, I always like to think big. Um, I always, you know, my interest starts at 20, 30, 40% mm -hmm. or grow with 100, 200, 300% year on year kind of a stuff. So I put all of that energy always in how I looked at it was investing into my business, into my network, having some of these <laughs> sayings <laughs> maybe to cushion that thinking like, you know, 
your network is your net worth and right. stuff like that. So that's really what I was focusing on building back then. Right, right, right. And I have to say, it did pay off somewhat. Right, right. Um, but I could have potentially balanced a little bit more in making sure yeah. that I put in like the 5, 10, yeah. 15%. But I still look at it like that to yeah. this day, you know, um, in many ways. I, uh, as opposed to putting down money monthly into, let's say, a mortgage mm-hmm. or a home, mm-hmm. Because of slightly my nomadic life, mm-hmm. which is kind of stopped now. I've been mm-hmm. here for 15 years, but mm-hmm. until then, every seven years, eight years, I moved continents. Right. I, 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 that, that felt like something that I would be tied to. Mm-hmm. Again, not necessarily the case. Right, um, right. Um, but yeah, I, I always thought that I'm going to put my investments into my network, into my businesses that I right. grow. Those grow right. the equity. Right. Um, it's a riskier model in my yeah, opinion, yeah. but I'm not that risk averse. Yeah. Um, so I kind of do what I do yeah, I mean, she, both in my business and personal life. Yeah, um, yeah. so that reflects in my, in, in even my financial decisions. Yeah. But yeah, my, my strategy really is, and has always been in terms of businesses, let me invest everything into my business. It is, seems to be like the, put your eggs in one basket, all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm even though I think I do diversify partially even within my business and mm-hmm. trying to make that opportunity to always not focus only on one thing. Mm-hmm. Even ACE is not events. It's talent management, events, brand work, creative, um, sports uh, now as well since last year. So that diversification always allowed me to adapt to yeah. whatever worked and yeah. what didn't work to be able to push that on a back burner and focus on what works. So it's about investing into my business, growing the equity there, and then reaping the benefits of that further down the road. Okay, fair enough. So even then, so Friday, or it's a Friday, we don't even see it was a Friday night, but it's a night at a club, Bumper just how it is. So um, what's the thing that you see, or what is it that, um, for, on your, from your perspective, that you hear or feel and be like, you know what, this is a challenge, or this is something that I want to do, and let's see what happens. Mm. Yeah. You know, business... Is at the end of the day, every business is all about the people. You yeah. guys have 100 people sitting out there. Without them, FX Pesa or whatever wouldn't exist, right? Yeah. And that's how I look at it. My team, my coworkers, my partners, my co-founders. It's always, that's been the most important thing for me. Um, you know, I, 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 I see that as, that's the main equity that's also the environment I want mm-hmm. to be in. If I go to work every day, I want to make sure that it's the people that I see every day and work with every day that um, that make it an enjoyable experience and something worthwhile. So when we ran into each other, it was at Alliance Frances, it was at a club, but at Alliance mm-hmm. Frances mm-hmm. after a performance, must be like 2012, 2011, um, you know, we just struck a conversation. I've always been going to festivals around the world. I've been going to events. I've always been interested in music, film, sports. Um, I'm, I, I love experience. Mm-hmm. That, that goes back to our Christmas gifts. Yeah. Um, I think that's what real life is made of and, 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 and seeking these experiences and connecting through those and learning through those and learning new things about life as well through yeah. those. Um, so I was always going there. So this is just end up bumping into these guys on one of their shows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, always interested in talent and artists. I met a lot of people like that in Los Angeles over the seven years. And just their viewpoint on life and oh, really interesting guys. 
Um, and we actually got talking about the European tour and I somehow mentioned that, let me see if I can add some dates to the European tour. I don't know why, but that's what I did. And when, you, when you're making that comment, do you actually have the ability to do that or do you know that you have the ability I, you to know, do that? Yeah, I, have, I know I have the ability. I, I mean, how hard could it be? I know a lot of people back home yeah. that run festivals, that are festival program directors, because even back home I go to festivals. I know a lot of people in the music industry, even though I never engage them professionally. I know mm -hmm. them as friends. I was like... Sure, I'll call a few of them and, you know, maybe, you know, because these guys are cool. I'm sure they, you know, I'm, I'm living in Kenya. Let me bring some of that back home. Yeah. And that's what I did. And it, 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 it got three bookings at the biggest music festival in Czech Republic, at the biggest film festival in Czech Republic, and one gig in Prague. So these three gigs, the next time we met, uh -huh. Saudi was on that tour. Uh -huh. um, and that tour went really well. I realized that I actually operate in the environment quite well. Um, and when we came back, we decided to start working together, uh, mm -hmm. basically. Um, mm -hmm. And that decision to work with them together is because after that three weeks on the road with them mm -hmm. in Czech Republic, mm -hmm. I realized, uh, you know, these guys are great. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a great power in the team. There were mm -hmm. four, I was fifth. We all had something different. Mm -hmm. Shimano brought this, Savara brought this, mm -hmm. BN brought this, Polycarp brought this, I brought that. Mm -hmm. So it was like a really balanced sometimes right <laughs> or most of the times <laughs> a balanced relationship right um so the decision to work with them wasn't really about yeah. i didn't do my calculations in my head about yeah. the there size was no, like, of the market um, yeah, right, right, in right. kenya what's the potential income i kind right. of knew how much they're making i thought okay so i had some savings from my previous work i was still my company, Africa Centric, was still functioning at that time, working with Nestle. So I was doing that a little bit side by side mm -hmm. for six months until this thing kind of became became a double full time job, really, mm -hmm. with Saudi. Mm -hmm. um, I just made that decision based on the people. Oh, that so I was for that, so for those first six months, you were still part time. Yeah, um, doing I was still running my right. my business and okay. still working with Nestle and executing their okay. CSV campaigns all mm -hmm. throughout Africa mm -hmm. or southern sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that decision was purely made on uh, on the people that I was engaging with, Saudi, yeah. and I was like, if we sell music, or if we sell toys, or if we sell education, or if we sell with these guys, I can we can. We can I do mean, but did did you think though that this would be as successful as um, as it it has then you know um, um, come to be twenty years later? Does anybody ever know that? Nobody has a crystal ball. People in hindsight might say I knew or didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Of course, there's some sort of intuition. I wasn't going to just throw my life at 28 or however old I was yeah. to be like, I'm just going to go on the road and be a rock star yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. I, I knew that there was Something. obviously potential and these guys had potential. Yeah. I could not quantify it. I could yeah. not be like, in five years, we're going to be making this much. Yeah. No, but I was happy to give it a go. Okay. And it's, it's actually interesting you've said that because I wanted to ask you, in the entertainment space, how difficult or how easy it is is it to make some of those projections? You know how in a regular business, people will have all of the numbers and say, these are projections for year one, year two, year three, mm. year four, year five, mm. five years, 10 years from now, I want to do this. Yeah. Um, what was that process like for you? And, and in your experience, how simple or difficult is that? Yeah, it's like any other business. Yeah. You know, it's like any other business. I don't think there's much of a difference. I've done projections for a mobile tech company. I've mm. done projections um, at a law firm. I've done projections at a... Um, uh, refinancing um, company in Los Angeles where I worked before I came here. Um, I, I, it's not any different. You need to have, obviously, some understanding. Uh -huh. Didn't have it back then. Now I'm much better at making projections. Uh, then I didn't know what's up. Um, 
I told that to the guys. I was like, guys, I'm going to ruin your careers. How do you want me to manage you? And they're like, no, bro, just do you. We kind of understand the business a little bit. We'll get there. And yeah, yeah they were right. Yeah. Um, but it's like any other business. You need some reference, mm -hmm. right? From that reference, you make an, a, a, an a educated or informed uh, guesstimation mm -hmm. is the word I would imagine. And you just set it slightly mm -hmm. higher, mm -hmm. you know, have that as your goal. Mm -hmm. You need to be a driven person to mm -hmm. also achieve those goals mm -hmm. um, uh, and competitive. I've always been extremely competitive. Mm -hmm. I think I passed it on to my son, Kenzo. <laughs> Somebody was just talking to me yesterday and they were like, yeah, your son is hella competitive. I was mm -hmm. like, I know, I've created a monster. I've always mm -hmm. wanted to have, I feel like competitiveness is key. Right, right. But also within some range. Right, what? right, This right. kid wants to kick uh, my ass in cards every day. Yeah. Honestly, he's such a competitive person. <laughs> so competitiveness is very key in business. Yeah. You know, you need to be able to like, it needs to, competitiveness needs to give you that extra drive mm -hmm. and juice into what you're doing. So it's like any other business. You've got different multiple streams of revenue. Mm -hmm. You've got your expenses. Last year you did that, learn from that. You can cut on this. You need to uh, expand on this. You need your hospitality budgets to be a little bit higher. Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. These incomes, you did this. Therefore, you know, grow by 20, 30%. Yeah. Reasonable growth. You can think you can do that growth because there's a new streaming platform that opened that you have a deal with. So mm -hmm. that, can, you know, it's, it's like a business like any other. Okay. And that's actually what I was trying to bring to you know, the, 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 our work with Saudi Soul was looking at it as a business. Lucky enough, it's not a business which doesn't really excite me. I buy something in Dubai, I put a markup on it and I sell it further down the road. I'm not saying that's a bad business. It's not just, it's not the business mm -hmm. for me. Okay. I want to be able to do a business that has some sort of an impact. And yeah. music, uh, you know, entertainment mm -hmm. in many ways is not just for people to be getting ratch in a club somewhere at a festival, but it impacts a lot of people. Yeah. People listen to music for all sorts of reasons. It speaks yeah. to them. It covers uh, current uh, affairs in a mm -hmm. different way that it needs to. Um, and those voices are very important. So from that perspective, yeah, I really, uh, I enjoy doing this type of business. And okay. it's just a business on mostly selling like emotions, but also products, you yeah. know, from merchandise to records, etc. So. so if I was to take... Mike, as he is now, and I'm yeah. like, go and talk to Mike of 20 years ago, when, as you're getting into that um, deal or the working relationship with Saudi Soul, what are the key metrics that um, you would tell him to look at? Um, and even, I guess, as a whole, if you're talking to generally the managerial career space in mm. Kenya, like what are the key metrics that managers ought to be looking at, to be paying attention to, to be able to, whether it's do projections or understand um, whether the business that they're running is actually a viable one. Um, yeah. And what, what are the things that they need to be doing? Yeah. Yeah. Look, um, in this business, <clears throat> there's, there's many, there's many careers in the entertainment mm. business. Take example, management. Yeah. Let's go specifically into that. Managers make their money uh, as a commission to what whoever they manage, artists make can be anywhere between 10 to 50%. Um, it's, it's a wide range depending on where the artist is in their career, etc. Uh, the, the, the greener the artist is, you the have a bigger percentage yeah. because you need to obviously make your revenue back and their revenue at the beginning is very small and you maybe have three, four, five, six years to get them to where they need to. Um, so from that perspective, you know, you need to have a look at the talent that is your and I, and I hate using those words, but that's just how people understand it. That's, that's your product, right? 
that's the person who you're working with, that's the talent, you need to have a look at, obviously, the feasibility of that talent. There's some intuition, 100%, that you develop over time though, right? But as well, what you develop over time is an understanding of, okay, I've been through 10, 20, 30 people like this, mm, you need to have a look at the characteristic of that person. Is he a hardworking or is she a hardworking person? Are they doing it for the right reasons? Um, are, is there sustainable? Is there exponential growth potential? Um, because there's no real right or wrong answer in this mm. entertainment industry, which is a you know, particular thing to entertainment, it, it has its own set of complexities. Um, but, you know, you need to be able to make a decision on what is the potential incomes uh, of a talent like this over what period of time? Uh, what is your necessary investment that you need to make into that talent for them to get there? Where are you going to get that investment? Are you going to self-finance that person? Is the person going to be able to self-finance themselves um, uh, through their income? Or will you need to bring on a third party like a record label or somebody like that who is going to finance the career of that person? Then you also need to understand what environment you're, you're, uh, you're operating in, right? Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned earlier, Kenya is, 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 is a peculiar market. That's mm -hmm. why actually you don't see so much money and success in the entertainment industry in Kenya as mm -hmm. opposed to just next door in TZ, for example. Mm -hmm. you, know? yeah. uh, you don't have anybody here, uh, even though it's a little... Don't trust everything you see online, <laughs> but you don't necessarily see everybody, uh, you know, anybody in Kenya having a jet or having a chopper right. from the talent side of things. Right. You know, expensive... Uh, the kind of flashy lifestyle that you're used to seeing, let's say, Nigeria, yeah. TZ, South Africa, mm -hmm. you know, and in the entertainment scene around the world. It's not that that's my fa that's something I really enjoy about the entertainment industry. I don't. Uh, but you know what? It gives you some sort of a sense of success and mm -hmm. how success is perceived in those places. Kenya has a particular set of difficulties. Um, number one, uh, the government does not enforce uh, the new Copyright Act and the Anti-Piracy Act sufficiently or efficiently enough. Um, I hope they're trying, but it's still collecting agencies over here are not doing justice uh, or, you know, bringing enough income to talent right. uh, in the country because they're not able to collect efficiently right. the money from all the people that use artist music. Um, in the developed world, in, in, in let's say the developed entertainment Markets, world, like yeah. in the United States mm -hmm. uh, or Europe, royalties are a big chunk of income for talent, mm -hmm. but it's also very steady <clears throat> income that allows talent and entertainers um, and celebrities to be able to pay basic bills mm -hmm. at a certain extent, not having to make short-term decision to meet those bills. Mm -hmm. So it has a both kind of like a short-term and long-term impact on mm -hmm. how uh, talent and artists manage their careers. Mm -hmm. Over here, they tend to do a lot more short-term decisions as opposed to in the U.S. where you receive every month or every three months a royalty check. You don't have to take every gig. You don't mm -hmm. have to work with every brand. You don't have to, and oftentimes, compromise on, on, on quality or mm -hmm. on, on, on your ethos. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one big thing mm -hmm. that really needs to change mm -hmm. here because creatives are owed billions of shillings, mm -hmm. literally, mm -hmm. in piracy and copyright infringement and in royalty collection. So that's can one thing. I, can I ask you something just on that for good yeah. second thing? Because I, I feel I may, I may forget. 
so that that's I mean, that like basically the way that you've described it based on how it works in more developed markets seems like a huge huge obstacle well yeah a huge obstacle right what are the things that you um or what did you have to overcome to be able to achieve what you guys achieved as 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 Saudi Soul Entertainment so we knew we can't count on that so much yeah right so we needed to make sure that our revenue streams elsewhere are top notch mm-hmm. So what we did primarily, and what I what I think we did pretty well is with the boys is, we focused a lot on getting the brand to a point where it has sufficient following and sufficient influence to be one of the lead influencers in the country and therefore touch that three percent, five percent, being that three or five percent of entertainers or personalities that touch those multi million shilling uh, endorsement mm-hmm. brand ambassador influencer mm-hmm. deals mm-hmm. so that was a that was a strategy right from the beginning and, mm-hmm. and and something that I was coming back I was using my strength of connections and experience in the corporate world and the business world uh, together and bringing the creative world together mm-hmm. and that is you know the endorsement deals that we did uh, I mean from loop um, from loop to uh, Chrome, Chrome yeah. to many other deals that we yeah. did over the years, but generally we didn't do too many of them as well. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to seem like only thing we're doing is selling brands. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Saudi wasn't a, a eBay or mm-hmm. Amazon really mm-hmm. just jumping onto anything. Mm-hmm. That was also part of the strategy not to do that. So what we focus on is fewer deals, but mm-hmm. chunky ones. And you know, I, I want to ask a follow up to that because. In theory, like it's 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 you know theory to hear, yeah, that you wanted to be the top um, one or three percent mm. um, um, influencer brands in the market. But what does that actually take in terms of the kind of work that the five of you had to put in? Like, what does it require to commit to yourself that, like you said, that would allow you to make a conscious decision of saying we're not going to take every brand deal that comes. We're going to take a few, and the few that are going to come are going to be big, and we're not going to take um um we're not going to um, cut back on the amount mm. of money that we're asking for. Like, what does it take to actually work to get there practically? The, um, like anything else, right? You need you need goals in life. Mm-hmm. You need targets in life for anything, from your personal relationships your personal story to your professional story, I feel like that's really key, right? Yeah. For financial goals, that's the thing as well, right? I think it applies to everything in life. So what we actually practically had to do is just get down and do the work. Yeah. You know, set those goals, set those targets, and get to work. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I really enjoyed about the guys. They never shied away from work. They never shied away from reinvesting back um, into uh, the business. Um, and that's why it worked, because it was the 10,000, 20,000 hours um, that we had to put in uh, and more and not necessarily buy cars and the kind of stuff that you generally get to see in the entertainment industry just so that you can look like you're doing well um, at the beginning and rather reinvest that into music videos, into touring, into merchandise, into um, social media campaigns and stuff like that, into building a team around us and stuff like that. So... That's what we had to do practically to get to that. Is just grow the business, and do the work, have targets, yeah. and try and hit those. Yeah. Okay. So you say the first thing was the copyright revenue or the royalties revenue, or the challenges. Yeah, that's um, the, the challenge over here. Yeah. It's just that you don't. The the, the second challenge is yeah. the Kenya as well. Is seems to be a bit of a monopolistic culture. Hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> you got uh, kind of monopoly in telecoms, kind of monopoly in in alcohol, alcoholic beverages, mm-hmm. and those two particularly. Why I point those out is you got. 
monopoly in power, for example, mm -hmm. as well, power, uh, power provision. Um, and that's not healthy for the entertainment industry, specifically the first two that I mentioned, because generally elsewhere in the world, it's the alcohol companies that throw events, do, uh, do gigs, etc., sponsor, etc. Um, so if you have four or five or six of them to choose from, um, that's beneficial for everybody, mm -hmm. right? You don't have that so much here. Um, second thing is uh, telecoms, you know, because of data, people consuming data, content, creators are all about that, right? Even consuming this podcast, you know, a telecom provider should be interested in pushing that because just by the mere fact that people are watching it, they're using they, your they're making yeah. money. Yeah. Um, again, this is not a very, uh, you know, it's a very monopolistic uh, um, part of the industry. So that, that hinders because these two industries traditionally elsewhere in the world are the ones that are really behind entertainment. Mm -hmm. You don't have mm -hmm. that much options here. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing. The last thing I would say is celebrity culture and that has multiple reasons why it is the way it is, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. When we used to travel with Saudi to TZ just next door, uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, you'd have three or four or five printed tabloids there about entertainment. We had an insert in the pulse, like the pulse insert in the paper that was on page 40 or something like mm -hmm. that. But really, the first 20, 30 pages were uh, about uh, different celebrities and those are politicians and uh, and because they are controversial here, controversial yeah. here quite yeah. a bit, right? Yeah. That's what you really, that's what drives the entertainment industry elsewhere. Yeah. A bit of controversy, you know, speaking up, you know, doing things that are uh, not always uh, safe and mm -hmm. not always status quo and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, you see a lot of, you know, a few celebrities that engage in that kind of thing, like Eric, for example, you know, he's doing a great job. He's, he's always, people always talking about yeah. him, you know, um, and that's what drives his numbers. Mm -hmm. um, not everything that he does uh, am, I, uh, am I a big fan of, but mm -hmm. a lot of things, uh, I understand why he does them, mm -hmm. you know? So that's another thing, is this celebrity culture that we just somehow don't have over here. People are, and I think it even goes to point number two, mm -hmm. a little bit of that Do you corporate think, dependency on these few companies yeah. that if, you know, a lot of artists lose their voice a little mm -hmm. bit because they have, in my opinion, a little bit afraid of losing... Uh, Bite, biting the hand that... Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 those three things I would say primarily. Yeah. Do you think sorry on that on that celebrity culture thing? Do you think Edgar's thing had a chance to to steer celebrity culture in the right in the right way? Ed, Edgar Barry, his yeah. uh, what is it called? Yeah, the the BNN. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Receipts and all that stuff. Yeah, and I guess that, uh, uh, and the celebrity thing. Yeah, Do you think it had the potential the, to be the, like you know, TMZ? Yeah, yeah. Those are the kind of people that that, that would need to drive it, but. Yeah. Again, look what happened to him, right? Yeah. It was running into politics, right? Yeah, yeah. Gets, gets a little <laughs> it's a bit of, Yeah, so look, it's, it's, just, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. It can go up, yeah. only up, up from here, I yeah. think. There are a unique set of challenges in Kenya, but I think all of these things eventually align to a global standard yeah. somehow and we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, okay. I want to ask this, and not from a perspective of um, your personal reasons or Saudi Soul's personal reasons upon um, um, when you guys separated ways or when you guys stopped working together officially. I'm asking from the perspective of you've worked on this business, worked in this business for seven, with them for seven, eight years, however long you had worked with them, and they'd become extremely successful, of course, and achieved many things. Personally, in your space, what is it like between that and what you're doing now with Ace um, mm. in terms of whether it's refiguring out what you're going to do or what you're going to offer and how you're going to go yeah. about it. Um, what's that process like for you? And I mean that from both an emo emotional and financial perspective. Um, I, I, 
in my late 20s and early 30s, doing what we did with Saudi was perfect for, my, for those years. Maybe I could have done it a little bit earlier, but still, perfect. Look at that as one of the best years of my life. Uh, but I always knew that, that a big change happened when my first son was born, Kenzo. <laughs> I was just like, mm, there's a new set of responsibilities that I feel as a father. Uh -huh. um, and that was, in many ways, a lot of fun, a lot of rock and roll, uh, a lot of reckless stuff, a lot of interesting stuff, a lot of time on the road, a lot uh -huh. of... But I wanted to be more home with my kid you uh -huh. know, uh, when he was born. So... That's when things started shifting for me mentally. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when we started looking and finding them a new management company, a record deal, starting Soul Generation Records, just make sure that the exit and that the preparation, and it was even part of our business strategy to grow the business in that way mm -hmm. so that it's sustainable and is diversified, mm -hmm. right? Um, then in 2019, when they signed to Universal, I started Ace. Um, I always knew that, okay, this was great. For me, starting Ace was, was in, in many ways a no-brainer because over those years with Saudi, I was getting calls every day, every week um, from talent, from other businesses, etc., to engage with them and do what I did with Saudi. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess the struggle when you're starting a new business is getting, uh, getting, getting clients, yeah. right? I had those on standby. I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not doing, I'm just doing exclusively work with Saudi. Yeah. Um, so when I opened Ace, I immediately had opportunity to develop mm -hmm. a big roster of mm -hmm. talent that wanted to work with me. I had the relationships in corporate and I, and I wanted to go in that direction because I knew like, okay, either I can spend mm -hmm. the next 10, 20 years going around with one band mm -hmm. and maybe pick up a few other acts or I just build the infrastructure necessary early on to develop, um, you know, a talent slash events mm -hmm. agency, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so it was exciting. I always wanted to do a festival. I always really wanted to do that. I had the opportunity immediately in 2019 to, to kick off Oktoberfest with Tusker. Mm -hmm. That became successful. I had a lot of ideas collected over the years from, you know, going to different hundreds of festivals right. and different experiences around the right. world right. that made it a little bit easier for me. And I just wanted to like, wow, this is what we're going to do. And it right. worked out really well. It was really fun. Right. Uh, four years later, you know, we're now doing it all around East Africa mm. and, you know, doing it for over you know, 60, 70,000 people together with all the events put together throughout mm. as well. Uh, not just the big, the big boy and gong race course. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was a mind shift of like, okay, this is growth. I need mm -hmm. to now diversify. I need to be able to have a team. I need to have a bigger net to catch more fish. Mm -hmm. um, and to be able to be, I always wanted to do something in sports. I wanted mm -hmm. to do something in film. I want mm -hmm. so to create that vehicle necessary to be able to, to be able to be involved in those other industries. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just a natural growth for me because I always wanted to, you know, I always like to think, What's next? Yeah. How can we grow this bigger? Yeah, yeah. I do have that drive in yeah. my life. I, I've never been to come back to your original question, making my choices mm -hmm. in life to, for them to be all about money. Mm -hmm. no, I, I, I do respect and appreciate money. I've been lucky to be able to, to, to make money and to make sufficient money for me to do whatever I want mm -hmm. to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Of course, not whatever I want. Yeah, yeah. But frankly, in terms of what, what makes me happy and if I want to travel or if I want to 
buy this or that, it's not that I can buy the most expensive cars mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But yeah, there's that, there's that uh, research has been around, no? The index of happiness versus right. how much money you make and right. think at $66,000 a year, it kind of like, it grows pretty steadily up to $66,000, mm -hmm. right? So you see it from this way. Yeah. And then your happiness index after $66,000, kind of, it doesn't grow that much more. Yeah. You just need yeah. money to meet your basic needs and a little yeah. bit over. Yeah. Or some, some over, right? Yeah. Um, so my decisions have never been driven by hurting money. Yeah. Uh, my decisions in life has always been made about impact, something that makes a difference, something that interests me, mm -hmm. interests my friends, interests mm -hmm. my family, uh, something that I can engage in something different that I do every day. Mm -hmm. I love this about my business every, you know, I switch between legal meetings, creative meetings, accounting meetings, client meetings, talent meetings, mm -hmm. video shoots, uh, um, you know, and I love that. I love the diversity and that. So what's driven me is more passion than, than the love for money. And I think that's another way to do it is that money will eventually come if you do yeah. turn your hobby, turn your passion, and you work on it. First of all, it doesn't feel like you work. Mm -hmm. I haven't felt like I've been working like I felt before for the last 10, 12 years. Mm -hmm. And the money eventually came and yeah, it's, we're not there yet. There's still mm -hmm. a lot to do, but mm -hmm. yeah, I'm happy where I am. Okay. Um, as we are wrapping up, um, let me ask you in your experience, um, I don't even give you a number, but key... No, because before I ask you key traits, I want to ask you just around the managerial career in Kenya and the development of the managerial career and what your perception is um, of where it was at when you came in vis-a-vis -vis where it is now. Because yeah. now there's a lot more um, managers. You know, you call an artist, like, yeah, just speak to my manager, speak to my manager. Um, the kinds of things that they need to do um, and what the kinds of tools that are required um, to be able to be a good manager. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, and, and I get that as yeah. question asked a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> and I always say, you need to be a person that has a balanced two, they call hemispheres. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some people say left, left brain is creative, right brain is more, uh, you know, uh, it's more about numbers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You need both of those kind of turned on. Can be too strong on one side and too weak on the other. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, in my regular day, I'll go from this interview now at three o'clock, which I'm late yeah, for right. now. <laughs> I'm yeah. on a call uh, with Ernst & Young mm -hmm. uh, doing the feasibility report for Oktoberfest. Mm -hmm. From there, um, I'm going to go and pick up my kids from school, be dad. 20 minutes later, I have to jump on a call um, uh, with EABL to discuss uh, the sponsorship package for Safari 7s. Mm -hmm. Um, then I have an accounting meeting and then I'll close off my day with a legal meeting going through a few contracts that I've, uh, that I've, that I've been sleeping on a little bit. Yeah. So you need to be able to, you know, be able to switch between gears yeah. quite fast and you need to be conversant in all of those things. Kind of general knowledge. Mm. General knowledge is key. Mm. You're dealing a lot of, with people as well. So good people skills. Um, and you need passion for this, yeah. you know, and it, can't necessarily be all about money. The people in the entertainment industry that, that make it all about money, their brands are questionable in some instances. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. You know, do it for the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's about money, yeah, sure. But it's going to reflect in your art. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a key thing. These, these, these balanced hemispheres, um, people skills, mm-hmm. and do it for the right reasons. Okay. Um, final question. Um, I'm going to make it a good one. <laughs> would have had much more. I mean, if we had much more time, we would have <laughs> gone through so much more. Um, my final question is this. Um, um, Saudis will have now, I guess, as far as their press release of statements are concerned, have done the last, um, the last dance, so to speak, as they said it, um, 20 years later. Um, and my question is not even around Saudi soul so much as it is around the music space and entertainment industry where I think over the last 20 years there's been one um, Saudi soul and you know it's been a, a company to look at, a company to look up to, a company to admire. If, if and I don't know, if they truly are done, what do you think that gap um, does for the music space in terms of whether it's innovation, whether it's um, people to look up to, whether it's a structure, a business model and a business structure that actually works. What do you think um, that gap does for the music space? I, I don't see it as a gap. Yeah. That's maybe the thing. I, I don't see it as a gap. It's just there's plenty of talent out there. Yeah. You know, I don't think we need to look at it as <clears throat> they were holding this specific role mm-hmm. and now that they're gone, somebody's going to fill those shoes. Mm-hmm. There are bands, there are boy bands, there are man bands, there are acts, there's all sorts of things out there and they've always been. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't see it as a gap. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's not a gap. I think it's just a great story. It's a great motivator for many people. Uh, it's a great driver for many, many people. Yeah. They are not going anywhere. They mm-hmm. are, you know, still going to be there. Um, in my opinion, it's not going to be too long till we see another Saudi Soul show. Mm-hmm. Maybe it might not be as public as Soul Fest, etc. But yeah, they might appear at their festival next year. They might be doing a few corporate gigs. Somebody might want to be like, girl, we're getting married and I got you Saudi Soul back together. Yeah. Maybe the difference is that instead of, let's say, $50,000 yeah. that they get paid today, well, then they'll be like, well, pay us 100000 and we'll come back together. Yeah. yeah no, there's also those kinds of things. Who yeah. knows? That's how I would do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a gap. I don't think it's that like that there was a company on the market in forex trading mm-hmm. or in trading, and now they're gone and they had thirty percent of the market shares. So, which companies are going mm-hmm. to snap it up? Mm-hmm. Who is going to get into that gap? I don't see it like that in the entertainment industry because there's just so many voices, so much talent etc and the impact that somebody else might get the booking space at that festival instead mm-hmm. of so it's it's not it's, i mean I, maybe let me give a bit more context to how i ask you know so for example you know we had nakumat and nakumat left and then there was um i mean since nakumat shop yeah, right and carrefour uh, and all that you know, kind of stuff yeah. and, and they have a specific structure that is sort of similar in the sense that it can really serve the same purpose it's a big supermarket have multiple chains and the way that the company works is sort of similar however if i look at the saudi soul as a business case i don't know that there's been another music entertainment brand that has 
one outlived. I remember when there were rumors about them breaking up, being making a, a joke, telling people that Saudi Soul has been there longer than some of their marriages. But I mean, so they've <laughs> they've they've been there for a really really long time, and so I'm I'm looking at it from that perspective of um, there's no clear, at least from my perspective, no clear plug and play that comes in, and. So, but as clear yeah. as there is one for, yeah. let's say, ShopRite coming yeah. in after Nakuma closed, right? Yeah. There was a clear plug and play. Yeah. They could yeah. literally take the same, they took the same locations, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not, I, that's what I'm saying. It's not like that yeah. um, in the entertainment space. So at least I don't see it like that, right? Yeah. Because they're still, their businesses that are there, Soul Generation, Soul Fest, et cetera, yeah. those will continue. Yeah. Right? Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I don't see it. I don't see it as a gap. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, and, I, and I don't see like now, Heart the band being like, okay, we're gonna be the new sub. We're gonna take that market yeah. share, right? Yeah. And they they are there. They're gonna still grow to that because um, there's no like specific use for four piece boy band. Mm -hmm. These guys are used for this and this and these specific endorsement deals or this specific campaigns. Mm -hmm. It isn't like that, right? Yeah. The same thing we did with Chrome. Yashinsky can do that, or yeah. you know. DJ Pops can do that or yeah. something like that, yeah. right? So, yeah, it's it's not like that's I think the one difference. Maybe I'm looking at it from the wrong yeah. from the yeah. wrong perspective, yeah. but yeah. I don't think there's 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 any gap created in the market that anybody can fill those shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess, you know, I guess time will tell. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's all. Thank you very much for coming. I mean, we've kept you much longer than um, you had given us anyway, but I really, really appreciate it. Oh, my last question, which I told you I was going to yeah. ask at the beginning. Um, is, it, is, it, um, is it worth it? And this I'm asking from the perspective of in the entertainment careers on the low days, on the days when possibly the gigs weren't coming through and the money wasn't as much as it was um, towards the end. Um, how, how, you know, do you remember how difficult those days actually were? And, and is it worth it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100% it's worth it because I used to do those things in any case and I used to pay for them to attend them. Mm -hmm. I used to go to festivals, pay to attend festivals. I used to... Now I'm on the other side where I get paid to do those things. So it's 100% worth it because I'm doing what I love, what I've really enjoyed. I'm also making a living from it. Um, the low days I am in every business, um, in every career... Um, and I use those low days to to get more creative. Out of yeah. adversity comes innovation. Yeah. You know, out of these tough times, that's what I use that energy to to pull me, you know, put me on my feet and kind yeah. of be like, all right, dude, <laughs> you got yourself here. Yeah. You know, even if you didn't get yourself here, like yeah. COVID, what it did to us, yeah. pivot. You yeah. know, I, I like that. You know, it's gotta interest you. Like yeah. you gotta be creative, and yeah. only you can only do that if you love what you do. Mm -hmm. If 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 what you do is your second nature or something that you really enjoy doing, right? Mm -hmm. It makes it much easier to, to, to pivot, to, uh, um, to be creative, to grow. Um, so yeah, I remember a lot of those low days. I've had multiple of those. We've all had. Yeah. Um, but if you love what you do, it's even on those low days, it's pretty fun. Yeah. You know, put on a headset, listen to your favorite album, think about the next project you're going to do, you know, Go and meet with several of your talent yeah. and discuss this, that, we can do this, how about this, yeah. what's your next project, what can we have a look at. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's worth it and use those days to uh, use those days to push you further. Okay. I wanna put you on the spot, because I haven't put you on the spot. So <laughs> one 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 last thing to put you on the spot, yeah. right? Um 
if our policies don't change in a Kenyan context, if our policies don't change, um, if our celebrity culture doesn't shift and adapt as as as, as quick as it needs as, as it needs to, how much longer do you think that gives our industry in terms of the development? You know, to be able to get to a place where um, we can we can have multiple um, big music entities and bands and musicians making good money. And venues, yeah, yeah, indoor yeah, concert halls, exactly. outdoor exactly. arenas. Yeah. How much longer do you think, um, do you think you'll see it in, our, in your lifetime if those things don't yeah, change? Yeah, 100%. Yeah? I think, yeah. I, I think they're coming. You can't stop that. No matter how mismanaged or managed the process is, the invisible hand of the market is going to get you there. Yeah. Right? Um, so I think we're on the right track. How long is it going to take? Might take five to ten years. Mm -hmm. Maybe something in that range. I see the efforts by the government and by the new administration and by the people in the industry and by private companies and investment funds to build venues for multi-use multi like sports and yeah. you know, like it is elsewhere in the... Yeah. Um, in the developed entertainment industries around the world. Yeah. So I see that's coming. They are building up. We just got the AFCON bid. Those are the kind of things that drive it. And you see it. It's, it's, it's coming. We, yeah. we, have a, we have a long way to go still, but yeah. definitely a lot of potential, yeah. a lot of hungry, driven people. Yeah. Uh, the talent is here. We must uh, just uh, go for it. Can yeah. risk it for the biscuits. You know. <laughs> All right. I will call. I'll call it at that because literally because of time, um, we'll definitely try and see if we can get Mike on here for a second time. See if we can talk a bit more about um, a bit more detail about a few things. But I've really enjoyed that. Thank you for your time. I hope you guys have enjoyed the episode. Yeah. Um, the yeah. <laughs> we'll fun. leave his links and everything um, in the description box. If you have any other questions, please send it. We will try and get him over for a second time. Uh, yeah. And that was Financially Incorrect. See you in the next episode.